0: Congress added the isolated canyon to the otherwise contiguous canyonlands national park specifically to protect the five-thousand-year-old etchings and paintings found along the barrier creek watercourse at the bottom of horseshoe a silent record of an ancient people's presence at the great gallery dozens of eight to ten foot high superhumans hover on echelon over groups of indistinct animals dominating beasts and onlookers alike with their long dark bodies broad shoulders and haunting eyes The superbly massive apparitions are the oldest and best examples of their design type in the world. Such preeminent specimens that anthropologists have named the heavy and somewhat sinister artistic mode of their creators the Barrier Creek style. Though there is no written record to help us decipher the artist's meaning, a few of the figures appear to be hunters with spears and clubs. Most of them, legless, armless, and horned, seem to float like nightmarish demons. Whatever their intended significance, the mysterious forms are remarkable for their ability to carry a declaration of ego across the millennia and confront the modern observer with the fact that the panels have survived longer and are in better condition than all but the oldest golden artifacts of Western civilization. This provokes the question, what will remain of today's ostensibly advanced societies 5,000 years hence? Probably not our artwork, nor any evidence of our record amounts of leisure time if for no other reason than most of us fritter away this luxury in front of our television sets. In anticipation of the wet and muddy conditions in the canyon, I'm wearing a pair of beat-up running shoes and thick wool-blend socks. Thus insulated, my feet sweat as they pump on my bike pedals. My legs sweat, too, compressed by the lycra biking shorts I'm wearing beneath my beige nylon shorts. Even through double-thick padding, my bike seat pummels my rear end. Up top, I have on a favorite fish t-shirt and a blue baseball cap. I left my waterproof jacket back at my truck. The day is going to be warm and dry, just like it was yesterday when I biked the 12-mile loop of the Slick Rock Trail over east of Moab. If it were going to be rainy, a slot canyon would be the last place I'd be headed. Jacket or no. Lightweight travel is a pleasure to me, and i figured out how to do more with less so I can go farther in a given amount of time. Yesterday, I had just my small camelback with a few bike repair items and my cameras, a measly 10-pound load for the four-hour loop ride. In the evening, paring out the bike gear, I hiked five miles on an out-and-back visit to a natural arch out toward Castle Valley, carrying only six pounds total of water and camera equipment. The day before, Thursday, with my friend Brad Ewell from Aspen, I'd climbed and skied Mount Sopris, the 12,995-foot Monarch of western Colorado, and had carried a few extra clothes and backcountry avalanche rescue gear, but I still kept my load under 15 pounds. My five-day road trip will culminate on Sunday night with an unsupported solo attempt to mountain bike the 108-mile White Rim Trail in Canyonlands National Park. If I carried the supplies I'd used over the three days it took me the first time I rode that trail in 2000, I'd have a 60-pound pack and a sore back before I went 10 miles. In my planning estimates this time around, I am hoping to carry 15 pounds and complete the loop in under 24 hours. It will mean following a precision-charted water management plan to capitalize on the scarce refilling opportunities, no sleeping, and only the bare minimum of stopping. My biggest worry isn't that my legs will get tired. I know they will, and I know how to handle it, but rather that my, uh, undercarriage will become too sensitive to allow me to ride. As I haven't ridden my bike any extended distance since last summer, my bike saddle tolerance is disconcertingly low. Had I anticipated this trip prior to two nights ago, I would have gone out for at least one long ride in the Aspen area beforehand. As it happened, some friends and I called off a mountaineering trip at the last moment on Wednesday. The cancellation freed me for a hodge to the desert, a pilgrimage for warmth, to reacquaint myself with a landscape other than wintry mountains. Usually I would leave a detailed schedule of my plans with my roommates, but since I left my home in Aspen without knowing what I was going to do, the only word of my destination I gave was Utah. I briefly researched my trip options by consulting my guidebooks as I drove from Mount Sopras to Utah Thursday night. The result has been a capriciously impromptu vacation, one that will even incorporate dropping in on a big campout party near Goblin Valley State Park tonight. It's nearing 10.30 a.m. as I pedal into the shade of a very lonesome juniper and survey my sunbaked surroundings. The rolling scrub desert gradually drops away into a region of painted rock domes, hidden cliffs, weathered and warped bluffs, tilted and tortured canyons, and broken monoliths this is hoodoo country this is voodoo country the red wasteland beyond the end of the roads since i arrived after dark last night i wasn't able to see much of the landscape on my drive into the trailhead as i scanned the middle ground to the east for any